Blog Talk Radio. Once again, to Madam Perry Salon, Marlena Dietrich has been on my mind a lot lately. Um, but you're going to find out why, maybe. Or I might just give you the clue to find yourself. Anyway, uh, welcome once again to Madam Perry Salon, the podcast that loves you, and the podcast with more celebrities than the inauguration. Uh, first, I want to say thank you to everyone who's been downloading and subscribing and sharing the podcast with everyone. Thank you so much. You know, last week... We had Franny Goldie on, and of course, Franny Goldie is responsible. She's a writer, co-writer. Some of the favorite songs of your lifetime, uh, Night Shift by the Commodores, Dreaming of You by Selena, uh, Stick With You by the Pussycat Dolls, and she now has a uh, her own company, a clothing company. Uh, she designs the most fabulous um, clothes for women. In fact, when I say fabulous, I mean Adam Glassman, who is the style guru of Oh! The Oprah Magazine, uh, dubbed them the magic pants because they look uh, good enough to wear to the office, business meeting, uh, any dressy occasion, but they feel as good as you're just your best casual jeans pants. So if you go to FrannyGoldie.com, F-R-A-N-N-E-G-O-L-D-E.com, and order a pair of pants and use as your discount code MPS from Madam Perry Salon, Franny's going to give you a nice discount, um, as if she hasn't already done us enough by making fabulous pants and all the great music she's given us she's going to give you a discount on pants now tonight's guest is uh gosh everybody's been messaging me and texting me about this all week um he's an actor stage uh television film writer director he's been in some of your favorite tv shows for is this this is just like a member of the family almost you've seen him all the time, Streets of San Francisco, multiple appearances on appearances on there as himself, uh, himself his name, um, Turk 182, Miami Vice, going on up to 52 Pickup, Talk Radio, Murphy Brown, Empty Nest, uh, <laughs> Young Indiana Jones. Although, uh, as you all know, my dear friend and fellow podcaster Sherry Rabinowitz is a huge fan of Hercules and Xena, and so you definitely know him on there as Salmoneus. But he's here tonight. He's also, as I said, a writer, and he's got a brand new book out called The Haircut Who Would Be King, and that is, of course, my guest. Robert Trevor. Robert, welcome to Madam Perry's Salon. Well, thank you. Thank you. Do you have a dog in the studio there, or was that, was that a critic weighing in on the book, the barking? <laughs> no, no. And you know what? This <laughs> It's a dog. It's a dog. I used to do PR for um, HBO. Oh. And uh, whenever I would call, like maybe when I was doing media tours, like I maybe have the uh, the the director or screenwriter of a certain film and I had them on the phone with the radio. You know how you you know, you know media tours, how they do it and your yes. publicist together and then mute themselves out to make sure you stay on message. And every now and then they you'd hear a dog bark like, You had a dog? This is before I would mute me out. And uh-huh. I thought, you know, people people don't want to think that you're working from a home office. They want to think that you're in some big high rise building. Yes. Oh, or or, or would, a dog kennel. I mean, some people work from dog kennels also. I mean, dogs are beloved animals, so, you know, they're, they're man's best friend. And I would say, well, today is Take Your Dog to Work Day at HBO. Ah, right, there and we are. So I wonder how many people ever ended up at the office with my boss's bosses going, hey, I think it's so cool that you guys have Take Your Dog to Work Day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, if I can just repeat the name of the book again, uninterrupted by Fido, it's uh, The Haircut Who Would Be King. And uh, this has nothing to do with Hercules or Xena. This is just my 
response to what's going on in Washington and uh, the guy, Donnie Boy, who keeps opening his yap and making a lot of people nauseous. And as I, I have referred to my book as literary rollades or literary tums to settle your stomach after you've been listening to this guy, you know, go on and on about uh, nonsensical stuff. But you've read the book, yes? You, you've actually finished the book recently, Jennifer? Oh, yes. I have finished The Hair Who Would Be King, and I was rereading parts of it today. Um, it, you know, i got to tell you something. Um, the John, Donnie Boy, the Cheeto Benito, The Haircut Who Would Be King, uh, yes. they've got to, I will say, and it's because people say this a lot, there are times when I'll, I'll go through a period where I can't even watch uh, one of the night show um, monologues. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Colbert or Myers or whoever, there are times when I, I'll have to go a week or two without listening to them because it, get, it gets a little heavy. But your book, The Haircut Who Would Be King, it's, um, it, yeah, it hits right to home. It, it You know, you've got a very, very skillful way of um, getting us, you know, before we get, it's, it's I don't know you say, it's, it's, it's a bit of a, it's, Parody, I suppose. Yeah, um, this parody satire. I get you laughing, and then hopefully, hopefully, I get you thinking underneath the laughs. But the laughs come first. Yes, because there's there's a lot of um um, to, what is it? Many a truth is said in jest, or as uh, as one of my uh, professors said, you know, when people can't actually write about a real situation. Uh, they have to write what they call a city novel to tell the story, but make it like a novel. But you know it's not. And I think even right. Truman Capote that in Unanswered Prayers and so forth. You know, just yeah. And, and in fact, I was taught back in English class back in high school. They they said the object of fiction is absolute and honest truth. It's not factual. The facts can be changed and the circumstances can be exact. But you're trying to aim at something truthful. And in fact, the great Mike Nichols who directed great films and theater for, you know, 30, 40 years. He said, when the audience laughs, it's like the audience is saying yes. They recognize it. It's a factor of recognition. When you're laughing at something, it touches something that is exaggerated or something you felt, and it makes you laugh, but it is like saying, yeah, I recognize that. And hopefully, in fact, one of the reviewers of the book, it was really, and I promise you, she's not a relative, she's not my mother, and I didn't pay her. She said, don't read this book in public, because you'll be laughing so much, strangers will think you've lost it. That Apparently she was reading it on a subway train or something, and she just people were saying, what the heck is that person laughing all over? So, I, I mean, people do laugh out loud while reading the book, and uh, and that's my intention. It's my intention to get people laughing and hopefully to alleviate and and uh, again this the same critic said uh this fil- this book is so accurate about the characters it's satirizing i don't know if i can look at the real people on tv and keep a straight face so if they're watching trump or uh marianne Con- conway kellyanne conway or steve bannon or alex jones i lampoon in the book um that's you know it, it gets them laughing so much <laughs> well, okay. I, I can I can I can I raise my hand and be a witness because if anybody saw Please. me today having lunch at the uh, Brooklyn uh, Bagel Deli and Bakery in um, Atlanta, North Atlanta, yes, yes. I, I out loud and somebody turned around to see if I was laughing at them. No, so, <laughs> and then they walked on. You're reading the book. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, thank you, so, thank you, Jenna. You you are living proof that what the person was saying was true. Now, were you escorted out of the lunch area, or were you allowed to stay, and, and did you keep laughing? <laughs> no, they, they, they let me stay and asked if I needed any help. So, oh, good. Uh, okay, good, good. It's, uh, you, you Southerners are very hospitable, and if you just see somebody laughing uproariously, it's, uh, you know, it's nice to know that you can be offered help if you need it, which apparently you didn't. So they <laughs> so just put the blanket over me. Hey, uh, by <laughs> the way, if you want to call in, if you're listening now live, uh, this is uh, Tuesday night, um, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5, a little after 5 Pacific. If you're listening tonight on May 28th and you want to talk to Robert Trevor, am I saying your name correctly, Trevor? Yes, you are. that is correct, yes. All and right. if you'll notice, the, it is published by Palindro- the book is published by Palindrome Press because my name is, in fact, a palindrome. <laughs> oh, good. 
perfect, perfect. It so, is a reversible uh, name. And not only that, to make things even more uh, specific, I'm about to celebrate my 66th birthday next week. Yes. And, the numbers, and the number 66 is a palindrome as well, which for your, for your listeners, if you don't, a palindrome is the same thing forwards as backwards. So Robert right. Trevor, if you spell the whole name backwards, is Robert Trevor, as is the number 66. So you'll know why, everyone, what I said, palindrome, perhaps how apropos. And just like uh, 2002 was the year of pa- the palindrome. So, Correct. Uh, yes, yes. So, and to make things now, even more ridiculous or whatever, and I just <laughs> thought about I drive a 2002, and I drive a Toyota. And if you take the word a Toyota backwards, it spells a Toyota. So I'm really wrapped deeply in the palindromial uh, ethos. All right, folks, I'm here with the prince of the palindrome, uh, Robert Trevor, and we're talking about the haircut, who would be king. Hey, um, if you're listening live tonight, as I was saying, that uh, uh, you want to talk to Robert, the number is 646-716-9922. That's 646 646- 716-9922 Block Talk Radio assures me it's a toll-free call in the continental U.S. Or for our people who um, can't call, maybe, uh, you know, Robert, sometimes people have a day job or something or they've got to be quiet. Maybe they've got a sleeping, you know, somebody yeah. in the next room. Whatever. They can you message your questions to me, as always, to Jennifer Maudet Perry on Facebook or Madam Perry Salon. And actually, I've already got somebody that's waiting to talk to you right now. So okay. if they're going to come on and model with us. Hi, welcome to Madam Perry Salon. Well, hello. Hi. Hello. Who's, okay. Come on in. Bob Brown. Who is this? Bob Brown. Bob, Bob Brown. Brown. Hi, Bob. Bob yeah. Brown. I just now, um, Bob uh, is Be- the Bob. Are you the owner of B Cubed Press? Why, yes, I am, and I just wanted to congratulate another bold person for a uh, incredible piece of work. Well, thank you. Have you have you read it, or have you just heard about it? Well, I heard about it, and I'm out on my uh, Amazon, and I'm ordering it. Well, thank but I you. Read some of your re- I read some of your reviews that you got on it. Yep. And I have to say, when you have gone so far as to annoy the right wing to give you a one-star review yes. for criticizing <laughs> a great president, you yes, are not sir. Hero. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah, sir. And, now, and, and you'll, you'll recall the first words of that review, which I, I actually posted on Facebook, now, I clearly say this is a work of fiction, right? Because under the fiction category, I have the boilerplate. These events are a product of the uh, author's imagination. And the first words of that one star are, this is factually inaccurate. <laughs> now, that kind of misses the point of fiction. And I don't want to say that all of Trump supporters are, you know, badly educated, but they, m- many of them are. But when he says that this is just factually inaccurate, yeah, guy, I, I know I wasn't trying to make another representation. It's a work of my imagination. I mean, it's thinly veiled on real people, but it, I do have them doing outrageous uh, things, yes. No, you can't beat what they really do. Yeah, I know. However, however, Esquire, I think a couple months ago said, is Trump now beyond satire? that what he's doing is so outrageous that nobody could. And I'd like to humbly offer that my book still goes a little further, that I do manage to – and maybe Jen can corroborate this having read it. I I do think I do – it's not really sounding exactly like what he would do. Is it, Jen? Well... No, come on. It's it's exaggerated. It's 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 plausible uh, hyperbole, which is what Trump said he uses to sell his real estate and his presidency and, you know, other things. All right, I'll go with that one. All right, I'll go with that. Reasonable hyperbole. Yeah. Plausible hyperbole. Yeah, no, thank you, Bob. Yeah. Please. Yeah, and, and, and if you like it, as I hope you will and other people, please do send uh, a review to Amazon to help counter the, the one star to kind of like put that one back in the shade. And let me just oh, take sure. a moment about... Oh, I'm sorry, Bob. Let me 
I've always wanted to say BQ Press has uh, – Bob's company has published several anthologies. Uh, they're called Alternative uh, – uh, oh, tell me the titles again, Bob. Well, we have Alternative Truths 1, Alternative Truths 2, Tales from the Resistance, Alternative Truths 3, Endgame, which just got released. And I'll be posting this book on our project page so that our people can see it. Wow. So these, these alternative truths, are, is this like alternative facts? <laughs> is, is well, Kellyanne gave us uh, – it's just a series of short stories written by science fiction writers. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the ones I like is we had the fellow who wrote Trouble with Tribbles, David Gerald. Oh, yeah. You know, and having seen Trump's hair, I can think where he got his inspiration. Wow. Um um, we just love uh, making fun of Trump, and uh, unfortunately, our books have become prophecies. Yeah, so, that, well, uh, ironically, that's why um, I won't spoil. You know, because I want people to read my book. I won't tell you where the book's going, but I, I say it's it's a way of doing House of Cards on the way to Doctor Strangelove, um, and <laughs> hopefully, in that I'm imagining it, what will happen will not come to pass. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to spoil. It, but there, I do have a chapter called "Things We Will Miss After Nuclear Annihilation." That's not really a spoiler because you know that's just a you know a possible uh, outcome of the book. But um, you know, God forbid they said that 9/11, the the uh, bombing and, and destruction of the World Trade Center, happened because of a failure of imagination on the part of our defense team. They couldn't have imagined this. So hopefully I'm writing something which will never come to pass. Uh, but as you said, some science fiction writers who wrote decades ago, some of those things are coming to pass. And the film network is, you know, essentially no longer fiction. Patty Chayefsky's network has essentially come to pass. Well, you know, another uh, thing, another type of media um, I remember my husband back in the 80s was in like a new wave dance band, and him and the singer would, would create these crazy songs uh, based off articles they'd read in the Weekly World News or the National Enquirer, like yes, I had a UFO. Yes. And he said, you don't see that anymore. I said, of course not. Who needs the National Enquirer, the regular news? Yeah, is- yeah, I know. That's like my mother puts uh, a TV dinner to bed and puts baby in toaster or something. Yeah, I, I remember those headlines. Um and, uh, and, of course, the National Enquirer was one of Trump's biggest boosters, and, and the guy was one of Trump's best friends to, buy, to catch and kill, to buy stories and then not run them because they would be negative to Trump. Wow. Okay. But I'm well. hoping somebody – I know Trump doesn't read anything. I'm hoping Trump – somebody will read Trump some of the reviews, which will make him really angry because I would love to appear in a tweet because if I did, that would make it a bestseller. So, you know, he, he, hopefully he can't control himself and somebody will get in his ear saying, there's this guy named Robert Trevor who's uh, written this book. And, and I'm sure, actually, I'm sure Trump um, knows my work as an actor because I, I, I'm sure he watched Xena, and I think he watched the film 52 Pickup. And <laughs> this could be a little, you know, teaser for, for Xena fans. I know for a fact, and I won't tell you how I know this, that uh, after Lucy was married and she was doing Grease on Broadway, Trump hit on her. Woo! So I won't say how I know that to be true, but I know it to be true. Um, he was, uh, you know, he, was, he just didn't care if anybody was married. He was just, this was his between wives. He wasn't married to Melania yet, but uh, he was uh, such a sleazy guy. And, and in fact, uh, he, there was an old Howard Stern show that repeated one of his quotes. This was back in 2010, I think, or 2008, when somebody was saying, hey, Don, why don't you run for president or something? And Trump laughed, saying, I could never run for president. Are you kidding? The stuff I've done with women? I could never run. I mean, that's a verbatim quote that you can catch either on YouTube or something. He acknowledged that the the way he had abused, harassed, assaulted women would make it impossible for him to run for president. But that's then, and here we are now. Yeah. Well, uh, Bob, I think we can. Well, you and I can uh, do a little, a little um, social work on Twitter of our own, can't we? I. Well, yes, I can. I just bought the book, and now oh, yes, I'm getting yes. ready to post it. 
Oh, uh, great. Please, please spread spread the word. Spread the word. I, oh, I, I, it, it's funny I, when you said, Bob, we can, do, we can do Twitter. I actually don't have a Twitter account. I have a Facebook account. But I think, you know, Twitter for me, I, and I'm happy to have social media help promote my book. But I'm not a great social media guy, although I have been fielding stuff on Facebook. Um, but please, anybody wants to tweet, or what would be even better if you can get on YouTube, you know, reading the book and, you know, laughing hysterically. And because uh, I know a lot of people have YouTube followers, that would be a great way for self-promotion as well. Sure. No problem. Bob, what about it? We can do that. Oh, do, when we had Jim Wright read his Gettysburg address, um, I had a guy read it dressed up like Abraham Lincoln, hmm. uh, only written as if it, it got 6,000 views. Nice. So I'll send you a friend request, and we'll work some stuff out. Excellent. Excellent, sir. That sounds great. That right, sounds also, great. But Harvey J. to your book. What's that? I say, but back to Robert's book. Yeah, back to Robert's book. Yes, yes. Um, it's Robert's book. Um, we can, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll get that cranked up. So, Robert, when did you start writing The Haircut Who Would Be Cute? I actually started writing. I got that, you know, from, from having some nausea and some, you know, stomach cramps sometime around the spring, March, April of, of 17, of 2017, is when I started thinking about it. Um, I wrote down a number of characters that I wanted the book. I didn't know where it was going to go, but I just started venting to myself and just writing some some monologues and some. And then I think it really started crystallizing uh, into a narrative once I saw Alex Jones <laughs> on YouTube, who I uncharitably call Alex Clams from from Disinfo Wars. I mean, this guy, and then learning that Trump actually used this Infowars, the Infowars uh, uh, internet channel, to promote some of his ideas and to agree with a lot of what Alex Jones was saying. Now, you, you, you two know who Alex Jones is, right? Maybe I hope your, your listeners do, too. I mean, the outrageous, absolutely incendiary. He's the guy who, among other things, denied the Newtown Massacre that children were not massacred, they were props. This is, you know, insult. I think he's being sued now by the parents for intentional infliction of pain. But this guy would say everything was a, a, a conspiracy and it was out to get Trump and it's deep state. And once I got the Alex Clams character fixed in my head, who is fairly critical throughout the story, uh, then a narrative kind of wove around that. Yeah, guess, uh, and... Jones. You, you know who I Alex mean, Jones is, right? I mean, you see, you've seen him on YouTube or on TV. If those people haven't suffered, the the, the parents, the families of the uh, children killed, if they haven't suffered uh, enough, it's like this man has made it his mission to to make their lives a living hell. Right. And uh, right. So, because, yeah. because God forbid that anyone should take anybody's gun away, and that's what the parents, you know, that this that this man, this this young very mentally disturbed person who killed his mother and then went to school and killed, you know, endless numbers of kids um, that, that he certainly should not have his gun taken away. And, and I think the NRA is still campaigning that it is an infringement for a mentally disturbed person to have their gun taken away. I think the NRA's position that the Second Amendment is, is fully free, and uh, unless the person's actually been a murderer before, any mentally ill person should have a gun. And I think most of America disagrees with that, I mean, by a large margin. But Alex mm-hmm. Jones was sticking up for the NRA position and then accusing these parents of defrauding the public by saying, oh, no, they weren't really killed. That's kind of like saying the Holocaust never happened. It's kind of like being a Holocaust denier in the face of absolute fact, not alternative fact, but facts for people to lie. And, and they say, well, it's, uh, you know, for, I can say whatever I want. It's First Amendment. Well, you know, we'll see what the courts say about that. I just call that pure evil. Pretty close. Pretty close to pure evil. Yeah. Yeah. And Trump has surrounded himself, 
you know, with the uh, there are great people on both sides, the neo Nazis and the pro- he surrounded himself and doesn't want to alienate them. Even though Sarah Sanders says, "Oh no, no," he came out very clearly. Uh, you know, he doesn't like those people. Uh, and then when asked, you know, when Trump was asked, uh, "What do you think about uh, David Duke and the Ku Klux Klan?" and he said, "Well, I don't know who he is." I, 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 I've never heard of the Klan, I, and you know, which is possible because he has the the mental capacity of like you know a slightly slow eight year old. Um, but I, I doubt it. I just think he just he lies and prevaricates, even though he doesn't know much. Uh, yeah, well, I I agree. I agree. It's a strange mix of all that, and then with his handlers around him, goodness knows. Um, right. You know, uh, one of the reviews on Amazon for the haircut would be king. Uh, described you or compared you to like a combination of uh, Will Rogers and Mark Twain. How did that feel? Well, well, ma'am, <laughs> that person's check is in the mail. Um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I actually, I actually quote uh, and I attribute, so I'm not plagiarizing. My my book starts with two quotes from two of great, America's great humorists, H.L. Uh, Mencken and Mark Twain. And the H.L. Mencken quote, and I, I'll get a copy of my book. This is actually the first thing that, and he, he wrote this about 100 years ago. Um, On some great and glorious day, the plain folks of the land will reach their heart's desire at last, and the White House will be adorned by a downright moron. That's what H.L. Mencken said, you know, back in, in the early 1900s. And then Mark Twain said, and I, you know, uh, again, I, you know, start with the best, and, and hopefully I can, I can approximate, you know, a quarter or a tenth of their ability and their, their writing ability. Mark Twain said, never argue with stupid people. They will drag you down to their level and then beat you with experience. Oh, yes. So <laughs> I, I, think, I think both of those are apt under the, uh, under the current climate. Yes, indeed. By the way, if you're listening live and you want to talk to Robert Trevor, the number is 646-716-9922, or you can always send me the message through uh, Jennifer Maudette Perry or Madam Perry Salon. By the way, I did have a message from our friend Sherry Rabinowitz, and Sherry, Sherry says, let Bob know that the show that you did with her last weekend, last week, right now it is at 27,212 live listens. No kidding. Wow. If only a half a percent of those people buy the book, I'm going to be doing pretty well. My I goodness. Know. That's 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 great. Oh. Yeah. So that's uh that's pretty cool. And thank you very much, Sherry. And no, Sherry would not Sherry wouldn't fib to me. I know that. No, that's so. great. And hopefully you'll be doing something in the in the neighborhood of those numbers too. It's looking pretty hot over here, so thank you, Sherry. And let's see, okay, um, Lonnie Fain um, in Georgia just sent me a message. He says, wow, this is great. Thank you, thank you, thank you for, for bringing Bob, Robert on the show. Um, I'll be getting the book. Thank you, Lonnie, for letting great. me know. Absolutely. And again, please, if you like the book, and why wouldn't you, um, please tell your friends because I'm, I'm really counting on a word of mouth. Look, I wanted this book to come out now. Because it's roughly, what, 15 months before the 2020 election. I want this to get, I mean, aside from making a couple bucks or, you know, making my money back, I would like it to get into the national political bloodstream, into the conversation. Um, I have, I'm not trying to name drop, but I'm, I'm a member of the Television Academy so I get a chance to vote for the Emmys. And two weeks ago, I saw George Clooney in person. And I worked with George, actually, on the film Hail Caesar. So he, he remembered me. Um, I think he's the kind of guy. So I slipped him a postcard mentioning the book. Um, I, I, he has a lot of friends in politics as well. Hopefully, he'll have the time and the, and the, and the energy to read the book and you know, spread. The, I would like it to get out into the conversation because um, ridicule is a very – potent form of, of uh, political uh, antagonism. <laughs> That's, I think we need to be as antagonistic to Trump by making people laugh. You can't out-bully him. You can't go into the playground with him. But he really hates being laughed at. And no one is more deserving of ridicule and laughter than Donnie I Trump. Just, 
um, because you know you 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 and you might say how can you how can you poke fun but you know how how can you put children in cages? Um, yeah, yeah, right. And and I'm not a, I'm not a journalist. I, mean, I admire Robert Woodward, Bob Woodward, and Michael Wolf and uh, Michael Isakoff. I admire all the books that have come out detailing in great specificity his misdeeds, his lies, his frauds his, that he's committed on, on the entire country before he became president. But that's not my bailiwick. That's not my strength. I'm an entertainer. And it's ironic because Trump is more an entertainer of sorts than he ever was a president. He never had any interest in public service. In, in fact, I wrote uh, a column for Daily Coast on their community board, and I said, you know, what Trump has done best, or the way he's feathered his nest, is by branding. He doesn't really build buildings anymore. He doesn't do. He just sells his name. Well, essentially, Trump has licensed America, his name, to be president. So it's a Trump president, but he really has no interest in being president. He has an interest in winning. He has an interest in, in, in making himself a lot richer, the way he does with branding. But essentially, Trump has branded himself as president without actually putting in the work to be president. And that was just a little thing that occurred to me that, I, you know, I, I don't have that in the book. I just put that on a Daily Coast column. Yeah, amen. You're so... Um... <laughs> You're so right, um, and yeah, I, it make it does make me wonder too. Did he ever really want to be president? This is certainly more work than he ever wanted to do. Yeah, and it's a lot less fun. I mean, Howard. I don't know if you watched Howard Stern on on CNN. There's a special uh, where Howard Stern talks about Donald Trump because Howard had him on his show dozens of times, and he said, you know, I don't think he really enjoys being president. I think he enjoys winning. I think he wants to win again. I think he sees it as a slap in the face if he doesn't win. But he had he had a lot more fun, and he said Stern said he has inside knowledge that Trump never expected to win. That um, The Apprentice was losing viewership, and by running for president, he could rebrand himself and get more excitement. So when he lost, he could he could multiply his effect by doing the TV show or or, or selling more buildings by being a presidential candidate. He never really wanted to win. That's Howard Stern's opinion. I believe that. Yeah, I really do. Um, when you started writing uh, the haircut to be king, mm-hmm. when you started putting the characters together, how did you know? Because it's a nice, you know, it's a nice, tight read. Um, yeah, well, I tried to keep it. You know, I, I I originally wrote more. I trimmed it and trimmed it and trimmed it. They say, you know, sometimes a, a sculpture takes a block of wood and then cuts away what doesn't belong, and that's what you have. So I tried to keep it as comedy. Most comedies are shorter than dramas. Uh, brisk, keep the momentum. I mean, that's I made my living doing comedy as an actor, essentially. Um, uh, keeping it tight so a person didn't have to invest a lot of their time, that they can finish the book in, you know, two, two and a half, three hours. They don't have to spend a lot of time reading it. So that was part of my intention, to keep it nice and tight and to cut away what wasn't necessary. And in a sense, the narrative thread kind of told me where it wanted to go. I wasn't trying to steer it. I mean, I knew it was going to go to some kind of cataclysm where, you know, everybody was going to get together and stakes would be very high. But I wasn't sure how it was going to resolve um, the parallels between Vladimir. This also takes Vladimir Putin over the coals. I mean, I make as much much fun of him, I think, as I do Trump, apropos your original singing of Falling in Love Again. Which, which is a reference that readers will find out um, as the plot point of that in the book, um, that uh, Vladimir Putin has certain artistic interests beyond politics, and if politics doesn't work out, maybe he can, you know, become an international cabaret artiste. Um, uh, but, but that's kind of like I, I kept myself open for the book to tell me where it wanted to go. Yes. Yeah. And you. Yeah. And you did. You and just. Uh, and you're right. The tightness. I remember um, my my instructor in a in a course I took on stand up comedy said the fewer syllables between the big first word and the punchline, the bigger the laugh. You know. You don't lose the audience. Yeah. And you kept it nice and close. That's like true. That. I mean, I, and I think I think 
not to put myself into you know I've already been compared to Mark Twain and and uh, and uh, Will Rogers. Uh, as Shakespeare would say, brevity is the soul of wit. That mm-hmm. sometimes the tighter something is, the the funnier it is, the more impact it can have. Yeah, and and you got it in there. Everything is very crisp. And um, Bob, you're gonna love this. You're gonna love this book. Oh, I'm uh, looking forward to it. It's on my Kindle now. <laughs> great. My, that was that was efficient of you. <laughs> no, that's great. Oh, good. That's great. Yeah, please and tell you tell, your, tell every, your friends. Yes, we've already put it out to the. I put it out to the uh, Donald Trump Resistance Society, um, yeah. based in Atlanta, uh, to the B cubed folks, um, to every group I've got, and it's a wonder I'm not on some radar for it already. So yeah, it's uh, sharing on on uh, all my social media. And by the way, if you if you're driving in the car and listening and you don't have a chance to write it down, um, I don't know how you could forget the haircut who will be king. But if you don't have a chance to write it down. I will be sharing the information and the link to purchase the haircut who would be king by Robert Trevor on all of my social media, uh, Facebook, Reddit, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, everything I've got, I'll be sharing it. So yeah, don't worry. I take care of you. <laughs> and carry carrier pigeons uh, who I think have been, I think they've been extinct for the past uh, several decades, if not uh, centuries. Carrier pigeons will be sending the name of the book across your homes, dropping little fortune cookie papers saying the haircut who would be king available on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or Kobo or any online seller. We're we're getting we're trying to resuscitate the, the carrier pigeons to spread the word as well. Hey, what about a carrier corgi? I'll make a little harness with a picture on both sides of the corgi harness and send them out. Who can, who cannot who can resist a corgi, right? That's true. You have a corgi. That the, was that the dog? The dog's a corgi. Well, I've got a Pembroke corgi and I've got a corgi cattle dog mix. So uh, yeah. Wow. So, there was you know there was a, there was a Monty Python there was a Monty Python book written years ago where it said members of the royal family, <laughs> and it had you know Elizabeth and and. Uh, Edward and and all the and it had a, the the profile of a corgi as an official member of the royal family because corgis are well loved by the royals apparently. Hey, do you remember it was uh, uh, years ago, uh, a couple of decades ago, when someone broke into the castle, into the queen's yeah chamber. Okay, and about that little after that, there was a TV show at the time on uh, a British show called it was a comedy called Drop the Dead Donkey. It was about a, a, a newspaper. And oh. they were investigating that be done, and so this person's reporting back. They're on camera. They're going, okay, we're we're at the palace. You know, we 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 breached the gate. We're by the palace, and somebody goes, what about security? And the guy goes, we've disabled security, and it has like a corgi laying, you know, down, passed out. So <laughs> the I corgi was a security. Yeah, lay just kind of like lay down flat. Yeah, we've disabled security. So, no, um, I don't know, but that's a great drop. The dead donkey. That sounds yeah. like the name of another book. I like that title. You heard it here first, first folks. Okay, okay. Talk about it. So, all right, so yeah, so that'll be saying the haircut who will be king on the corgi. That'll get a lot of attention. And yes. uh, I've only got, Robert is so busy, and I'm so grateful that you've been so generous with your time. I know that I've only got about seven more minutes with you. Yeah, because um, actually I'm going <laughs> to another TV Academy event. <laughs> it's called For Insecure on HBO, where I, they, you meet the actors and then they give a really nice reception. So I don't have to buy dinner tonight. So uh, yeah, no, but I'm happy to stay for the for the next seven minutes, and then my car is my my Prius is getting warmed up, so I can jump right in. But yes, anyway, are there any more callers? It was great speaking with Bob. Are any more live people who want to ask a question? No, everybody seems to be kind of sneaking around and skulking around now just with messages. Um, I forgot to say, um, Andrea, who is in California, she's sort of like mid-Southern California. Mm-hmm. She says, my kind of book, uh, thank you, and I love you. And uh, Zena, well, he loves you too, I'm pretty sure. That's great. 
That's great. Well, Hopefully you. she'll have a chance to read it soon. I, and again, I, and if people do like it, I, actually the last page of the book, my, my formatter, since I'm my own publisher, said, if you like this book, please write a review on Amazon. Because I don't mind that one star, but I really would need, you know, I'd like some higher stars to help push that one back in the shade. And the more people who write uh, uh, really nice reviews, in addition to the professional reviews that I've already garnered, the more people realize, hey, this is not just a review, a book for professional people, but Everybody can enjoy it. Yes, indeed. Um, what do you think will happen at the next election? In 2020? Well, it really does depend who the Democrats put up. Um, it looks like Biden is doing well. I don't have any – I'm not ready to endorse anybody yet. I think everybody has something to offer um, I hope that the Democrats will not snipe at each other and do Trump's work for him by giving him ammunition, saying, remember what so-and-so said about that? And that's true. And, you know, Trump will only agree. With, he hates everybody until he has something that he can agree with, and then all of a sudden they're the best friend. Like Kim Jong-un, you know, and that, that absolute baloney that, you know, Kim Jong-un said that Biden was an idiot. I didn't call him an idiot. I just called him a low-intelligence individual. This is the guy who can't pronounce the word origins. This is the guy who calls it the oranges of the – because origins is really too difficult for him to wrap his mind and his tongue around. As I say in the book, and this is not a spoiler, finally the critics said there is absolutely no collusion between Trump's brain and his mouth, None, no connection whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Which you don't know if it could be worse the other way around, though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Hopefully, they're, they're, but the, the gaps between what his brain comes up with and what comes out of his mouth are fairly wide. And that's also why I think, you know, if you remember, he couldn't believe when Obama was president that Obama had such good grades and such a good transcript and was editor and for the, the Harvard Law Review because Trump was projecting his own lousy academic record which he has now sued to have ever provided. He sued the, the, the boarding school. He sued the um, uh, University of Pennsylvania, the Wharton School, from ever releasing his transcripts because he was borderline at best. He probably failed many courses, or it was determined that, um, that he was going to, uh, you know, kind of like yeah. – uh, uh, but he, he projects everything. Yeah, the kind of kid you meet that when you, when you find out that they've oh, got a degree from a prestigious school, you go, really? What building did your daddy buy? Hey, Bob, I just yes. another call line, and welcome to Madam Perry Salon. I'm talking to Robert Trevor, author of The Haircut Would Be Who Would Be King. Come on in, introduce yourself. Yes. Hey, yes. how's it going? Hello. Doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing all right. Uh, this is Julie. Hey, Julie, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing okay. I was just listening and I uh, wanted to wish you the best of luck with your book. Thank you. Sounds like you've uh, you've got a lot of uh, entertaining things going on. I hope you get that tweet you wanted. Yeah, from, from from Donnie? Yeah, that would be nice. That would be yeah. that would that would make it a bestseller. <laughs> right. Right. So if uh, have you have you so bought the book or are you are you is it on your docket to buy? Uh, you know I'm uh, thinking about adding it to my wish list. I'm not uh. Not at the moment buying books just because I bought like 10, but that'll oh. last me about a week. So, you okay. know. You're, you're an avid reader. Also, yes. also a great time for graduation gifts. If you have a, That's as true. I have, the, the, the politically obsessed, i.e. depressed grad on your list, I think would be a terrific gift for that person. It will make that them laugh a lot. absolutely a good idea. I'll, uh, I'll uh, definitely consider that. Okay. Great. Well, thank you for calling. Thank you Absolutely. so much. Yeah, let me know no when you problem. get the book. All right. Thank you so much, Julie. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Right. Talk to you soon, sweetie. All right. Is there, is there someone else uh, on deck? Uh, they were, and then they, they disappeared. So I know I've only got oh. what, one more minute for you, or actually uh, less than that. Um if you if so if you if you haven't called by now you'll just you can just uh, go ahead and buy the book and leave a review on Amazon and I mean let's crank those numbers up boys and girls that would be lovely thank you so much 
questions. We're going to get this hey. done. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Bob, I think uh, Bob's going to help me spread the word here, too. We're going to be like your street team. Excellent, um, excellent. And uh, yeah, I you wish... already got your friend request on the way. Oh, great, <laughs> yes. I will. Add, when I get back from the, the TV Academy, I will respond to that. Okay, and I will uh, I'll take this. Yes, yes, you're right. This is a great gift, Father's Day gift, graduation gift, uh, birthday yeah. gift. Uh, happy birthday to you next month. Uh, Bob Trevor, have a, I, I could talk to you for the longest time, but I know I got to let you go. And please, please, please come back sometime. We I will think be. You're... I will be very happy to. This has been a pleasure. All right. And thanks for all my all the readers and and people who've enjoyed my work. You'll enjoy this book a lot. All right, thank you, folks, so much. And again, that was Robert Trevor, actor, director, author. Get his new book, The Haircut Will Be King. I'll be sharing all the information on it everywhere on all my social media and on the sides of the corgis as well. Um, right. just, Bob, what'd you think? I've got, this is the podcast with more celebrities than the inauguration. And <laughs> it really is. All right, folks, I'm Madam Perry saying I love Cut a rug. <laughs>